By Kylie's standards, this was an utter disaster. An album that barely sold more than 200,000 copies worldwide, which is an astonishingly low figure for post-Fever Minogue. Kiss Me Once was a debacle on every conceivable level. Consider this, the single release schedule was atrocious. It's really still unclear what singles were actually released aside from the lead, which as an example of poor management was only made available for purchase a ridiculous three months after its first radio airing. Three months! There was a string of questionable video clips attached to this campaign, one of which drew a wave of negative internet hype, with many suggesting Kylie was using sex and soft porn to mask mediocre music. And another video clip which is undoubtedly the worst she has ever made. You add to the mix a series of live performances which lacked soul or creativity, and in particular one, the Australian Logies performance, which reopened very old and very painful wounds, drawing laughter, literally laughter and ridicule from the Australian public. Long buried criticisms returned. Kylie can't sing, she's a lip syncer. Criticism that eventually became so loud she was forced into damage control in the following weeks, deliberately performing acoustically on Australian TV to repair the damage and prove, can you believe she needed to prove, that she can indeed sing and that she doesn't lip sync. Here we go again. And then there was the public relations nightmare sparked by professional dancers who accused Kylie of turning a blind eye to the disgraceful underpayment of dancers, particularly those who featured in the I Was Gonna Cancel video. In fact, those dancers in that video initially didn't get paid a cent. They were just meant to be grateful for the opportunity to work with a global star. And it wasn't until an ugly media focus that they were finally reimbursed rightly so, for their services. And all of this negativity was only magnified by the content of the album itself. It just wasn't up to scratch. It was hollow, empty, predictable, unexciting. In some instances, it was embarrassing. Three tracks with the word sex in the title, smacked of desperation, focusing an unflattering spotlight on a seemingly fading pop star at the time who just wasn't able to recognise that it was time to evolve. Critics were harsh, although in truth I believe they could have been a lot harsher given the product that was up for scrutiny. One music reviewer probably said it best when he unofficially retitled the album to Play Me Once. I'm joined by Golden Lovers Rick and Gareth. Welcome. Howdy. Hey. Friends, let's just put it right out there. Was this the worst album that Kylie has ever released? Could we really say? I, th I think it's the worst album she's released. But I think we also need to note that it was the first album she did without the guidance of Terry Blamely. Garrett? I would say it's not her worst. Um, I actually quite like it. But um, the sex songs are really quite far removed from the other tracks. My theory is that Kylie was actually hurting around this time. Personally, I'm talking about this period was just so full of bitter moments for Kylie. And I think it bursts through uh, this work. So help me out, guys, to try and recall some of this stuff. At the time, as, as Rick mentioned, she departed from Terry Blamey's management. Now, he was a real father figure uh, to Kylie. Uh, only old fans 
like Rick and I and possibly you, Gareth, would remember this. He's a father figure to her and one that had been there right since the beginning of her musical career. Around this time, she separated from Andres, who she absolutely adored. I believe possibly the love of her life. There was probably a bittersweet point here, splitting from Parlophone and signing with Rock Nation. She was very excited, but again, it just this cumulative change that was on her doorstep at the time. She'd signed up ever so reluctantly and on such poor advice to The Voice, which she hated with a passion. She's way too professional to ever say that, but she was tired, completely disinterested in it. In fact, I think The Voice was probably the best piece of acting that Kylie's ever done in her career. Forget the delinquents, forget Holly Motors. This was the pinnacle of Kylie's acting career. For sure. And I think The Voice affected the album as well. I don't think she promoted it well enough because of her commitments to the voice in Australia and the voice in the UK. Uh, it just lacked promotion and I think that sort of showed in the Kiss Me Once tour. I think that was her the poorest tour I've ever seen from Kylie, which says a lot because I thought every other tour was brilliant and, and I went to this one expecting big things and I just thought it was just nah. I completely agree with you. I, I, I loved it, still enjoyed it, and I still think she was yep. wonderful. But for all those things I've just said, it was hollow, and she was hollow. And I believe yeah. that she was just a shell at that time as well. She did a promotion at the Today Show when you were talking about having to prove that she could sing, and she did the acoustic show at the Today Show. I was at that show. Oh, yay. Uh, in that morning. So was Mikey. And she, Oh, it was brilliant. It was awesome. She mm. was fantastic. Like, the, mm. the crowd was pumping. You know, you had Carl and Lisa. They, they, it was brilliant. It was great promotion. And I just, oh, I just wish it was all like that. Look, I don't think there's actually any proof that um, these reality shows like The Voice or The Idol and variations on that actually helped the judges' careers at all. I don't think there's any actual proof. And I have to admit, I didn't watch a minute of those show, um, The Voice because I... I simply don't like it. Isn't that amazing, Gareth, that that this was Kylie, who we're all obsessed by. I didn't watch The Voice either. I would catch snippets of it. I just, I, uh, all right, I'm going to put it right out there. I was quite embarrassed and ashamed because it feels like the biggest has-been journey for a star, even though I know we've got Katy Perry and Nicki Minaj and people like that. So maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels like a has-been move. I went down and seen the taping of The Voice, um, and we were there because Kylie was in it. So, um, and we were down there for, I'd say, close to 12 hours. And it was the most drawn out thing I've ever seen. Um, but she hardly left the stage. She hardly left where they were recording. Um, others would go out and have a break. She'd just be sitting on a chair, sipping on a drink. And there was no, I don't think there was any motivation, to be honest. And, I remember the um, the guy that does all the pumping up of the audience, he said he wasn't allowed to talk to the talent. But the only talent that would speak to him was Kylie. She'd come up and spoke with him and, oh. and, and, and talked with him. He said he wasn't allowed to talk to any of the other talent. But she made surprise the point of coming me, up right. and saying hello. So. Yeah. Oh, what a great insight, Rick. So you got to sit. Were you actually sitting there for 12 hours yourself? Yeah, we were. We, we, we literally got fed lollies and water. <laughs> and, and we got herded to the toilet. And um, it was fun, but it was so drawn out. Like, it, your poor we didn't daughter. Really get close How to old's your her. daughter? Uh, my daughter was 14 then. Oh, that's okay then. I was about to say, yeah. little one would really struggle to sit through that, wouldn't it? Let's not talk fatherly advice though here, Rick, because you and I would be here all night with that. <laughs> we could. 
Um, I guess just uh, from skimming some of the interviews recently, just talking about how the album evolved, Carly talks about how Sia said that of all the tracks they wrote and, I mean, that were written for her and she um, did demos of, there were three albums worth. There was a pop album, an urban album, and an indie album. Obviously, the indie tracks are those kind of um, Garibay and um, those other tracks that kind of leaked a bit later yeah, and were yeah. released digitally later. So I guess the album is a kind of a mixture of the pop and urban um, track that they had. So it's just kind of interesting to see that, um, I guess in the interviews that I've seen of her, when I've watched back, it's clear that she was just very uncertain about herself and her place in the pop world. And obviously personal life stuff was also happening as well. With Kiss Me Once, there was no passion, no pizzazz, horrendously for the fans there was no reinvention there was no sense of the carefree or the happiness or the glee that we normally see from Kylie for a fan like me who believes he knows Kylie relatively well because how can I not have some sense of the woman after daily liaisons for more than 30 years for a fan like me it was truly tragic tragic to observe the utter grief that she was so clearly consumed by at this time she was a celebrity in shock going through her motions fabulous as even the most mundane kylie motions may be and it was so very very sad to watch her hurt and feel pain while still purely because of her utter professionalism caught the spotlight to illuminate not only her grieving self but a piece of work that she just didn't believe in kiss me once wasn't just a commercial failure it was for the woman a period of tremendous loss confusion and raw self-doubt kiss me once was it was intended to be a slice of pop joy but it was performed by a wounded lost beauty and you can hear the angst throughout the entire album Despite the euphoric beats, its happy disposition, this is in fact a work of the greatest melancholy. And any fan who knows her well will listen to this and just feel compelled to give the woman a hug. On um, on that, with um, when Pharrell Williams come to write with her um, and through a recording session, um, that's how the track I Was Gonna Cancel came about because mm. she absolutely burst into tears. Mm. and uh, she was that upset and, and emotional. And I remember reading an interview where she said that he grabbed her and said, um, are we just going to let this go? We should do it. Let's not cancel. Let's just do this. You know, this is what we're here for. Mm. Put on our um, big girl shoes and um, and let's do it. And I think I, think I was going to cancel, as terrible a track as that is, um, I think that kind of sort of says a lot there where she was like, I think if she could have walked away from this, I think she would have walked away. Absolutely. She just wanted to slide out into oblivion at this stage, in my opinion, but she's so professional, so professional. Now, all of that aside, all of that personal stuff aside, as a body of work, they just totally missed the boat here because they had something so wonderful just within their reach. Whether you like it or not, The Sound of Skirt, which obviously came out well before the first single, uh, you know, that sound, it doesn't matter if you like it or not, I'm talking about the sound and, 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 and the purpose of Skirt, followed by the thumping Mr. President, the haunting sleeping, sleeping with the enemy, sparks. Uh. 
I mean, wow, yeah. that was so close to an achieving achieving an album that was modern and experimental and unique. It's so very, very frustrating to sit here and talk about possibly the worst work of her career when she was on the cusp of one of the best albums of her career. How good was Skirt? How good was Skirt? I, I loved remember it. when the lyric, lyrics came out, the lyric video was just, oh, God, I love it. The sound was awesome, but I think... The sexuality of the lyrics probably scared her off. Uh, she could have retitled the song Supernova, which is one of the you know the words in the song, yeah. and it would have kind of toned it down a bit. But mid to late 40s, she was thinking, I need to kind of, you know, present myself as more mature. And But she's been I saying that was... since body language, though. I remember around body language, she was saying, I need to start covering up. And you're, thinking, you're looking at her going, seriously? No, you, yeah. do, you do not need to cover up, lady. And with Skirt, you're right, Gareth, she probably did have those reservations. But really, she pulled it off. But was it any worse than Sexercise? <laughs> well, okay. could we not have dropped that and put Skirt in instead? <laughs> <laughs> and why the hell was Mr. President a bonus track? I know. It should have been one of the lead singles. I, I just, just wish, give us control of the album. It's so bewildering, <laughs> isn't it? So disappointing. Yeah. Sia was brought in, as you mentioned, Gareth, earlier. Um, Australian musician Sia was brought in to be co-executive producer because Kylie also gave herself a credit here of executive producer, I've noticed. I guess the process of them exe executive producing the album, you know, they were having a ball doing it, but they, I guess the quality control must have escaped them because, um, yeah, yes, the track selection is quite peculiar considering what was left off. I've got this vision of them sitting there on the floor and they've got three different piles and they're going, we've got three different albums here. And they decided how they came to release the one, the, the, the bunch of songs that they did is sort of quite confusing to me. Into the Blue, what do we make of the opening track when it came out? And were you like me and just thought, hang on a second, I've heard this somewhere. I'm sure I've heard this somewhere. I quite liked it. Uh, it, it's it's in my top five songs. I, I, when it first came out, I was hoping that the whole album was going to be like this, but it wasn't. Um, and, and it suffered in in charting too. Like it debuted at forty six in Australia because and, it, was, it wasn't available for purchase until three months after the radio play. I know, ridiculous. And they do that with a lot of her songs. I've got, it's only since I think this golden era that we probably shouldn't talk about, but. They seem to release the song on the same day to radio and you can buy it straight away. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it only made, only sold 2,648 singles in Australia. Wow. And then it slipped to number 96 the next week with 1,184. It, it didn't crack 4,000 and that's atrocious. Like, you've got, I think, mismanagement. That's what it comes down to. Some interesting information. For me, it's one of my favourite tracks of hers ever. Yeah. Um, like the opening lyric of I drew a smile upon my face could kind of sum up the whole album because as, as we've talked about before she's kind of acting a lot through this you know um, this whole era yeah um, it's interesting to note that she recorded the song on her birthday and while really? she was with um, Andreas so oh, while wow. it kind of you know is a kind of self-empowerment anthem for a single woman of a certain age it's interesting that you know the timing of her recording it that makes so much sense to me because that does feel like one of the only authentic tracks on the album to me. The video clip was good too. I know a lot of people that don't like the video clip, but 
I, I thought it was a great video clip. I thought it was it was dark. It was it was light. It was everything. I I like I said, the song is one of my favourite songs, and I think and Gareth said you said it was one of your favourites too. I think if this is what the album had sounded like overall, and that's where we'd gone down, I think the album would have been massive. But unfortunately, it didn't. What the hell was the video clip about, Rick? I, I can't believe you. It's not that I dislike it. I'm not against yeah. what you're saying. I just what what was it about? Why is she jumping up and down on the bed, and then the man, and and then the disco, and then the walking down the street, and I don't know what was going on. I get very confused. Uh Look, I, I probably don't understand it. I know that she had this love interest that she was in love with, and I think they must have had this argument. I don't know. It kind of reminded me a little bit of an adult version of um, Jenna Sapakwa. So, um, ah. did I say that right? Oh, I'll just go with that. Yeah. And it kind of, yeah, it's had the same feeling. Um, I, I probably miss, I don't care. It just looked good. It looked relevant, and it, I don't think it'll age directed by the same lady who directed so many other great videos spinning arounds can't get you out of my head uh dawn shadforth i think her name is um dawny 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 <laughs> <laughs> we're in australia we have to call her dawny we do have to call her dawny i also can't let into the blue go past without mentioning that poor guy in the gym i know it was all a setup but do you remember that <laughs> visa ad yes Oh, I'd be horrified. I love Kylie, but if I was at the gym, like, first of all, I wouldn't look like him for a start. Like, I wouldn't be able to lift a single weight, (laughs) and I'd look completely different. He looked together. But if Kylie walked in in the middle of a gym and did that to me, I know I'm in the minority here, but I'd have a heart attack. I'd be so mortified. Oh, they'd have to um, resuscitate me. (laughs) Um, Then when I come through, when I come back, They'd have to slap me in the face, <laughs> and then they'd probably have to drag me off up. <laughs> they'd be like, get off up! <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not letting go. <laughs> Someone would get fired for not having screened you properly, right? He was so relaxed. Uh, like, there's some issues there. I don't know if it was scripted. They it... Moving on. Million Miles. Now, I remember liking this the first time I, I heard it, track two on the album. I've grown to like it. I think if you look at the lyrics... Um, there's a couple of lines like I feel so invisible that again point to general sadness about her um, it's kind of got a bit of an urban feel and a lot of there's a couple of other tracks that kind of remind me of Body Language's kind of poorly received oh, yeah. album track and this is one of them um, but yeah I'd say it's it's an okay okay to good track in my eyes hmm. it's just an album track <laughs> It's one of the better album tracks, and <laughs> it doesn't have sex in the title, so I think it's a winner. Track three on the album, I Was Gonna Cancel. Now, this is famously written by Pharrell Williams, and Rick, you've told that story about the studio, and Kylie was very upset that day. She's told that story quite a few times. Sound like Pharrell was yep. just lovely that day as well. And the, I actually really enjoy the lyrics of this song too, and somehow I really enjoy the song too, even though it's quite strange. I think I liked this song till I saw the video clip, and then when I watched her sing it on um, on the Logies, I wanted to reach through the screen and just take her out and just move her away. Now let's put this in context. It was really bad. Kylie comes back to Australia. The fans get very proud. You can feel her in the country if you're anything like me. I don't know if you both agree. You can feel Kylie's yep. back home. She's going to the Logies. There's all. I was watching the broadcast live. I was beyond horrified. It was embarrassing. Sorry, I spent the night 
um, on Facebook defending her because my family, um, especially my nephews, were going, oh, she was miming, she was miming, like, mm. she's always mime, she mm. can't sing live. And I'm like, I've seen her over oh 60 God. times, she can sing live. And I was like, I got to the point where I shut down my Facebook wow. because I, I think I would have been done for murder. It was just frustrating that it had to happen and had to happen on national TV. Yeah, and we have to just clarify here, to be fair to people who are criticising her, she she didn't have the mic in front of her when she was singing at one point right at the end there. So people yeah. weren't just accusing her for no good reason. There was a very obvious moment in this broadcast where she didn't have the microphone and her voice was quite audible. It's quite sad because it was her return to yep. the Logies, you know, so Australia's TV Awards after yep. so many years and when she was welcomed for out first and she talked about how important the night was for her, you know, the, you know, the audience of celebrities was just, you know, in awe. And then it, the mood just changed completely oh. once that song started and finished. And Do you I'm both remember the Rocker Steadford from high school days? There was yes. A, yeah. There's something called the Rocker Steadford. It probably still exists in Australia. This reminded me of a high school Rocker Steadford performance and a really poor one at that. And for Kylie yes. to be in the middle of it, it was just so odd. And by the way, I swear Irene from Home and Away, for anyone who cares, with the red hair, she was in the background <laughs> dancing. I'm convinced it yeah. was her. Um, I just don't know what else to say about this performance except for why. Why? Well, let's erase it. What is going on with the video clip? Oh, my God. I get so angry when I think traffic? of this. Is traffic? What's like the her arms are just going. I don't know. What? Apparently, it was based on a um, on something. Um, some, yeah. <laughs> some old thing. <laughs> oh, oh, I just, I, I'm just out of out of words. Gareth, you're going to have to say something because that plane. I've never understood it. I've watched it about sixty times. I went. Surely the plane's got to fit somehow. Has to fit some. Why? Why is there a plane in the middle of this? I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know the references that the um, the director is Dimitri Buzzle. He was from a US US based video agency. What's so his I guess name? Dimitri is it? Dimitri Buzzle. He wouldn't want to show his face at a Kylie concert, would he? The fans would no. rip him limb from limb. <laughs> it was meant to be about. A, I'm sort of looking at Wiki, um, which is probably not true, but let's go with it. Okay. It says the synopsis is about pedestrian life and how it was similar to the day she recorded the song. It's an abstract look at pedestrian life and how we're all just trying to get through and rise above everyday challenges. It's really hard to watch. I almost have an, I don't even have epilepsy, but I reckon I'm going to develop it from watching that video clip. It's not a strobing light in the whole thing, but somehow I managed to just want to fall down onto the floor and have a convulsion. And, and, and I think she was too, because she just kept waving her arms about. And what with the jeans? Like the styling was terrible. Like there's just we go back to the 80s? one good thing to say. Of just that yeah. the twelve inch fly. Kath and Kim would have had a field day with it. Kimmy, look at more, look at more. The only redeeming feature, in my opinion, of I was going to cancel is there's there's a mix called the family mix, or it's got the word family in it. I'm terrible at remembering yeah. the name of um, remixes, but I love it. I don't know what it is. A very guilty pleasure of mine. It's not the main mix, which is called Rocco or Roto or something like that. There's a family mix that I I love. I think it's fantastic. Uh, as we wade our way through these little gems of pure pop perfection we make our way to track four sexy love did you know i like this song 
and it was and she did a really good version on the Today Show when she probably went to see her on the Today Show. It was Love really good. That. But then she did the she did um she sang it at the um at the iTunes Festival and forgot the words. Really? Yeah. Is she that on YouTube? I'd like to go and see that. Yes. Get Yay. on YouTube and search it up. So go to the iTunes Festival for Kiss Me Once. Sexy She's singing love. Sexy Love and she just forgets the word. She goes, falls into absolute hysterics and says, and she thanks the crowd because um, the fans knew the words she didn't. Oh, so that, I think that's kind of why. How could she forget the was... words to that song, Rick? It's really not hard, is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> she no, must it's have been not. Having a bad moment. <laughs> it's my favourite song on the album with "Sexy" in it. <laughs> so from interviews around the album release, Kylie justifies the inclusion of the three sex songs. She says uh, for "Sexy Love" that it, the album needed a disco throwback, which is what she believes sexy love is <laughs> and that Lasex later on is a studio 54 kind of quirky uh, throwback as well so i guess we saw in her in the kiss me once tour the kind of disco elements and um working with um um what's his name <laughs> giorgio moroda yes Marota. um so we can i guess yeah for her that justifies its place in the album and i guess that was something she would the disco side was something she explored live um, but I have virtually nothing to say on these on the uh, on the on the three sex songs because they just mean nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. Can we go back to Giorgio Moroto? Did, did you see the concert when they did the Kissy Ones concert? Yeah. He was up playing. I think it was just a, a wooden board, and yeah. he was sitting there twisting his hands like he was doing something. And I was I was up. He was a, he was DJ, Rick. There wasn't a wooden there, board. There was he, he had there. a record there player was... there. Don't tell me this. He, no, he didn't. He, he wouldn't have just been pushing on a piece of table. No, no way. he was. No, he, he was. Have a look at the video clip. <laughs> Go to the side view. He dead set was just turning because I was at the That's top, right? True. And I was like, "Oh, this this is really cool." And then I watched this from the side view on YouTube. <laughs> if I'm wrong, just cut it out. But I don't know. He's just turning. There's nothing there. Oh, uh, we're using man. our imagination. No, he. Yeah, true. He was rapping, man. He was rapping. Now, I, I said with Into the Blue, it reminded me of something, and it reminded me of Delta Goodrum sitting on top of the world. Um, now, yes. with uh, Sexy Love, the first time I heard it, it drove me nuts. I couldn't think, this is another song that I love, and I couldn't get it, eventually did. All For You by Janet Jackson. This is that song yeah. from Woe to Go. Track five. Sexercise. Now, I want to know. I want to ask you both uh, a question that I've always wanted to answer before we go any further with this. Is this the song that was before the album was released? Before uh, even uh, Into the Blue was released, there was a rumor about "Get It Up Ya." Do you remember that? Yes. Uh, there was a track called "Get It Up Ya," and and there was some awful Brooke nasty Candy. rapper. Yeah, she was tweeting out, oh, this is." Like, this is the game changer, and this is it, and this is the future, and all this sort of garbage about this song called Get It Up Yet. Was she talking about Sexercise? I don't know, because Sexercise was written, of course, by Sia. She wrote it as they were wanting to add sex songs, so it seems quite easily put together. So I wonder whatever you happened the, to Get It Up Yet. I don't know. I think they just dropped it. But I know the best thing about Sexercise is the video clip. Um, but besides that, if you want to laugh, uh, search up the footy show version of Sexercise oh, yeah, with I've Fatty and that. the Blokes. Yeah, yeah. Great. So if you're in the UK or wherever, just search up um, NRL footy show and um, Sexercise. It is, it's great. 
it's talking about sex exercise, um, it's interesting the backlash, probably more so in Australia, I believe, um, about the sexuality in the video. Um, you know, for the first time, Kylie had a, that kind of put it away grandma kind of um, <laughs> feedback on social media. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, even Madonna probably hasn't done something that explicit in a video. While the song, I'm not a fan of the song, I it's it says a lot about how we view, um, you know, 40-somethings, 50, soon to be 50-somethings in sexuality, um, the whole the whole episode and how it, how it played out. Yeah. I yeah. can honestly say it's the first and only time I've ever wanted to be a, um exercise ball. <laughs> oh, yuck, Rick. Jesus. Why? <laughs> Did I just go somewhere I shouldn't have? Sorry, I'm talking out loud in my head. I'll try to control it. <laughs> I could have really said the pump horse, okay, Rhino. <laughs> uh, and I also uh, saw one of the reviews of this album talked about this song specifically, and it said um, it's just way too over the top trying to cram exercise references into one song. And so a few of the lyrics here, let's, let's break it down a bit. I'll make you wait for more, make you beat to the core. Tomorrow you'll be sore. Let me see you exercise. I want to see you beat all your best times. And if you're lucky, I'm going to teach you. Let's just turn you blind. I just, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this song really does things for you, doesn't it, Rick? I, I, see, I keep seeing the video clip and I'm kind of glad the footage show brought out the one they did because it just... It did bring it down a little bit. It's not a great song. Gareth, you and I are uh, just going to leave Rick here and let him just have a bit of fun because clearly he's... Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Feels so good. Now, I heard this song um, before I heard it on the album because people were saying, oh, this is a track by some dude. Um, I think his name's Tom Aspall. And yeah. I went and found it somewhere on YouTube, probably somewhere, and I was really keen to hear her version of this. It's exactly the same as it turns out. It, uh, definitely, I love his version, but yeah, she she does do this song justice. This is one of the tracks I do like. I didn't know it was a cover. Yeah, go and have a look for Tom Aspall. Uh, he's, uh, he recorded it first. There's a great line in it, um, and I can't slow down and I need you now, which, um, no, yeah, kind of you know, sums up her kind of, you know, go, go, go worth work ethic. Yeah. And you know, the relationship problems she's had. So I think it's a great song. Track seven is If Only. Probably my second favourite, um, if not my, my favourite on the album. Um, it's just so poetic. Um, and again, like the lyrics, if, if true love is, um, if true love was waiting in the wings, if only, I mean, there's just so much sadness in it, but it's still kind of yeah beautifully uplifting and you know in a weird way i think she's this is the song that she's vocally best on like i think it stands out vocally on the album i think it's i really like it now she's very proud of track eight on the album lace sex uh, she opened the tour with it of course she, she this is one of the preview tracks that she did in the little pub when she was doing a bit of a mini album launch before the album was released now I don't know if either of you have heard about this too. Now, there was a lady called Amanda Warner who actually wrote this song. There was some sort of dispute between Amanda and Kylie directly, as far as I understand it. And someone can leave a comment if I'm making this up because I cannot find it for the life of me. Um, but I'm sure I read or heard or saw on an interview somewhere 
But Amanda and Kylie had dispute about the lyrics. Kylie basically wanted to dilute them a little bit because they were a little bit more over the top, particularly the drug references in this song. And Amanda was not happy about that, apparently. So whether I'm telling a tale here, I'm not sure, but that's something that I read somewhere. I didn't know that, but I got the drug references. And I I remember it being a little bit of a um, controversy about it, but I really, I quite like the lyrics. I think it's a great song. I hate it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Got nothing to add. I understand, yeah, she wanted something kind of sexy and stuff but that was already kind of to me i can't tell the difference between it and sexy love but they kind of merge into each other in my head you skip this one absolutely track nine kiss me once is apparently her favorite track on the album kiss me once i can't stand this song i don't know what it is about it there's something that no i i it's not that i can't stand it actually it's not true i'll correct that it's just one that i just have no interest in whatsoever probably my favorite is up there with into the blue and if only, um, God, again, the lyrics are just amazing. One, two falls, the tension cracks the walls. I mean, it's that's just beautiful. And um, and I see you wrote it. I guess her delivery is a bit nasally, and I can think that's yeah. awful at some. But yeah, um, that's true. Actually, now that I think about it, I think that's one of the reasons I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. It was really good at the um, the Kissy Ones two up. I think I, up until then, I thought it was just a blah sort of song, you know, and I know it was a fan favourite. Fans have gone berserk over it, but I was like, oh, I don't see what the fuss is. And then when she did it live, I was, um, I was, yeah, I thought it was great. Live, it was, I think it took it to a different level, but for me, so um, I listened to the live version more than I listened to the, um, the album version. What do we make of this duet with Enrique Iglesias, son of that other Iglesias um, man? Beautiful. Is it so beautiful? Oh, no. If they just sort of left it, take all the the fancy stuff away. And and when she sung it, I think it was at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah, it was fantastic when, when we didn't have all that crap involved yes and at it's, the concert too. yeah 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 I, I didn't i don't like it as a duet if she's singing it she's standing on that stage and i think if i'm right she was wearing a white dress so i remember thinking it was so beautiful such a beautiful setting at the commonwealth games and then she was just singing it and it was just kylie on the stage it was beautiful in interviews she's talked about how when she um first heard a demo of it of some of someone else singing she cried because um, mm. she thought it was a great song. Mm. It was widely touted to be a single as well, and uh, there was even talk about what the video clip, the concept for the video, was going to be. Would this have gone well if it had been released as a duet? Cons- no. Especially considering Enrique's huge fan base in, in South America, for example. Oh, I don't think it would have. I think they ruined it with the vocal. No one knows what's going to work, and... Yeah, definitely production-wise, there were some pure things about this with the vocoding and that, yeah. and I don't think it would have worked um, in, a, in any market around the world. Now, if I'm right, I believe the final track on the album, Fine, was the only one that Kylie contributed to, uh, writing-wise, and she was writing with her old uh, writing colleague, Karen Poole, famous for lots and lots and lots of tracks, including Wow. Fine, is it a fine way to end the album? I think it's great because it kind of sums up 
how she's feeling. There's a line in it, standing in heaven, but I don't feel the light. Again, you've got, you know, after so many tracks with similar kind of melancholy, um, ending it, you know, with the track titled Fine just seems to, seems to be a, a good ending. I just think it's an okay song, maybe. There's a super fan out there called uh, Matias Segnini. I don't know if either of you have ever looked up any of his work. I generally don't like fan bootlegs and remixes and all of that. Generally find them a bit, you know, unpolished. He did a version of Fine where he just stripped out all the overproduction. And I love it. Fine becomes a brand new song for me when I listen to his his version of Fine. So that's one to look up on YouTube too. Let's talk about some of the bonus tracks, the B-sides, all of that sort of stuff. Um, we had, as we mentioned at the beginning of this segment, Mr. President, Sleeping with the Enemy, uh, Sparks. Mr. President's standout should have been a single, should have been on the album. album. There was, there was um, a rumour that she had made a video clip for this because there's a picture of her dressed as Marilyn Monroe-esque on a banana yes. chair on a beach. I think it was just a photo shoot, though. It was. When I went when I went to the Today Show special, I actually wore a shirt that says, Hey, Kylie, I'll be JFK if you'll be Marilyn. Oh, God. Did <laughs> and she see she, it? And she, yeah, she did. She actually pulled me up in the ad break, come over, and she goes, I love it. That is brilliant. Oh, I love she it. She said, that's fantastic. And I was like, oh, geez, thanks for that. And I was like, she's talking to me. Hello. And, yeah, that's what I, I really love this song. This song's one of my favourite Kylie songs of all time. I think it's cheeky. I think I think it's really great. And I think she kind of had a thing for um, um, Obama because um, you see that when she does on the Christmas album as well. It's a little nod to Obama. Yeah, maybe. that's true. That's a second yeah. reference to Obama in a Kylie song that she's yeah. he- helped write, by the way, because she definitely had a hand in writing Mr. President as well. I just love it. I think it's a fantastic, quirky, and thumping production. It's amazing. Turn that one up loud and tell me that you don't enjoy it. It's a bit too out there for me. Um, it, it seems a bit busy, and I guess sure is because it's next to a quite a track that's quite far removed from it. It just seems a bit it's a bit jarring for me. Let's look at some chart positions for Kiss Me Once. Now it's funny because Kylie has such a strong fan base that its peak position when you look at that alone isn't too bad so it did get to number one in australia in saying that though um and number one in hungary as well in the uk it got to number two and in the us it on the billboard 200 it actually made it to 31 as well but again that's her fan base but it just because it was sorry no you're right i was just going to say flopped out of the charts so quickly and even I remember even some a newspaper article here in Australia talking about uh, the second week of sales, and in comparison to the first, like the fall was just huge from number one to number thirty nine or something ridiculous it, like that. It was massive. It was the the lowest selling um, number one um, album of the year in its week. So in its first week, it sold around about eight thousand copies, and it was the lowest uh, selling album to debut at number one on the Australian charts that year. And then the next week, it only sold around 2,000 copies. Wow. It, and it, it had a rise again when the Commonwealth Games come on, but it was literally only in the Australian charts for six weeks. We can't wrap up the podcast without talking about the scandal that engulfed this album too, talking about chart positions. Pay the dancers. Gareth, remind us what this scandal was all about. So, as we mentioned, the um, video was uh, made in Melbourne, and um, by Dimitri Basil, 
he had sent out um, a message, uh, SMS to friends of his who were dancers and for them to pass on to their friends. The video was made but quite early on, on April 23rd, Twitter began to erupt with the reports that the dancers were not paid. Mm. The story was picked up very rapidly by Arts Hub and Fairfax, as well as the Daily Mail, which meant it went global very quickly. The hashtag pay the dancers emerged. Yes. Uh, um, some of the stories that emerged um, were that um, the dancers said were um, given a $100 payment for the entire day that they were making the video, including rehearsals. Um, and their complaint was that's below the minimum wage of um, working at around ten dollars an hour. It's, yeah, it's it's up to I guess everyone interprets interprets it differently. Um, it became quite a big issue. The media and um, entertainment and arts alliance, which is like the kind of industry body, ended up releasing statements and actually formulated policies um, to avoid this kind of situation happening in future. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kylie, Kylie was the catalyst for it, but it kind of exposed an issue that had been um, swelling around the Australian arts industry, particularly around the dancing community for many years. Most people don't put any blame with Kylie, but the backlash was very strong and reminded me a lot about the the early kind of her first backlash in the late 80s that happened in Australia that was kind of vicious and sought to kind of really take her down, even though it was pretty clear that, you know, she wouldn't have allowed this if she knew what was happening. So... But even I, as a fan, am disappointed at her response to this. Yeah, we know she didn't hive and we know she doesn't make those sorts of decisions. She relies on companies and all of that. Where was her statement of support to the dancing community? Where was her statement of surprise after this? There was none. And as someone who's worked vaguely in the media in a previous life, if I was advising her, she needed to do that. And the fact that to this day she hasn't commented on that, I know that she has a bit of a a stock... I'm not going to get involved in politics and, and things like that, and I respect that. This was different, though. This was her video clip, and she was directly implicated. She needed to do something. And to not have a response is almost as disgraceful, in my opinion, as them not being paid or being paid under the minimum wage in the first place. Well, there's a statement on Twitter around 24 hours after it had blown up on Twitter um, stating that all dancers were paid. Yeah, so, so I've, got a, because... I've got a few corrections then. So in my intro, I said they weren't paid at all, but in fact, they were paid under the minimum wage. Kylie did release a statement and she was saying, yep, they were paid. But what she didn't recognise by the sound of it, she caused offence because <laughs> she she failed to note that they were actually underpaid. Is that correct? It's, con- it's confusing because the message that went out from the video director stated, and it, these are his exact words, as the budget is constrained, there will be no payment. So mm. dancers kind of signed up on That's that. That's where provisor. I got my statement from. Yeah, there will be but no yeah. payment. While yeah. it was there. Because as far told. as I know, Gareth, I think that the, the, the confusion here is that the $100 or whatever they were paid wasn't actually payment. It was meant to be for sustenance and travel or something like that yes. as well. So, yeah, it was messy, though. Even us talking about it all, all this time later, it's messy and murky and just not right and so disrespectful to the arts community. There, were, there was also, during the video shoot, they were talked to, you know, it was talked about if um, they, they would also be given the opportunity to dance on stage with Kylie at the Logies. Um, oh, was that meant to be some sort of offering of payment in a way? Well, as a sweetener, because oh. you know, national exposure on Terrible. a stage with you know, in front of the um, acting industry. Yeah, the whole thing was a mess. 
Uh, it doesn't sit easy because it's not um, the Kylie I'd like to think I know. Mm. I think um, it ultimately it's her name. Um, it's her name on the um, the single. It's her name on the video clip. Yeah. So if you're just talking to some Joe Blow in the street that knows nothing about it, they don't know the they don't know the director's name. They don't know the company that organised it. They're just knowing that Kylie Minogue didn't pay her, didn't pay her dancers right in the first place. So yep. it all comes back to her, and that's the unfortunate part about it is that um, regardless of who was at fault, um, it all comes down to her. And, and I'm a bit like you. I, I don't think she did enough to defend herself or, or to make right by it. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe there should have been some other way. of Besides, the money should have been paid. They all should have been paid correctly, of course. But I think she needed to make restitution on, and do it in public so people will know that she's sincerely upset that this has happened. But um, I good. just think a little thing on Twitter is not good enough. So let's try and take some good out of a, a pretty poor project. What do you think Kylie might have learned from this, especially when we're on the cusp of golden now, which is such an exciting era, such an exciting era. I can just see lessons. I, I think she made the correct decision in walking away from um, Rock Nation. I think that was the best thing she did. Uh, if you go on YouTube and you, and you watch the clips from the um, concerts that she's done, I think she's learned that she needs to get back to basics. The small venues uh, to promote the album have been great. And I think she's found herself with this album. And I think she's learned from Kiss Me Once that she's got to be honest to herself before she can be honest to her fans. If she's not honest to herself, then it's not going to come across in an album. And I think with Golden, I think lyrically, it's going to be um, the most honest album she'll ever release. Um, I think she's got that kind of confidence while she chose personal songs that songs that resonated with her for um, Kiss Me Once, she did take a big step back from contri contributing to the production of each song, which I think was a mistake. Um, she also kind of appreciated the role that that Camp plays in her appeal and um, people don't want her to try too hard to sound urban or to sound, um, you know, cool, or, you know, what, what the kids are listening to, that, you know, people will respond to her just you know doing something like you know bringing the cowboy look back even though no one else is so hmm. yeah i think there's a lot of lessons she's got more confidence it, it seems this time around um the insecurities have kind of um gone away and i think just by being part of her work more and you know she'll get obviously financial reward from having written you know more more of the songs and not have to pay other songwriters for me kiss me once was the first time i've ever seen her uh, promoting something that she just truly didn't believe in. She said herself she was asked about Kiss Me Once. She told the Herald Sun, maybe it didn't do as well because it wasn't good enough or it didn't deserve more. Who knows? Even in retrospect, it's hard to say why something works or why it doesn't. It's dependent on what else is out there, the way it's promoted. And then she goes on to talk about the tour being the most successful part of that album campaign. So she's very honest in her reflection of Kiss Me Once. Even in the lead up to Golden, she said, I've got to deliver something good this time. She knows it's make or break. Rick and Gareth, thank you so much for talking all things Kiss Me Once tonight. I don't think we'll be seeing Kiss Me Twice. Golden kisses from now on. Golden kisses from now on, exactly. Well said, Gareth. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, gentlemen.